calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello everyone, I know that you're dying to get to the picture of Dorian Gray, but first, before we start all of that, uh, I just want to let you know about our sponsor for this mini-season. Hemlock Creek Productions is a post-production audio studio based in Chicago, Illinois. Founded by audio editor and sound designer Marissa Ewing, Hemlock Creek Productions is Marissa's response to a growing need for remote audio editing services. While based in the United States, Hemlock Creek Productions has worked with clients and vocal talents across multiple countries and languages. They've provided their expert editing services on a variety of projects, including podcasts, films, and video games. In addition to providing editing services, Hemlock Creek Productions also strives to work on projects that highlight diversity, both in the stories being told and the people that tell them. As a queer and black-owned business, they believe diversity is a strength and look forward to working on projects that reflect the same values. Hemlock Creek Productions will also be releasing its first original podcast, Liars and Leeches, in 2023. Follow the story of Tonya in this supernatural horror podcast as she grieves a sudden familiar loss. But soon her grief will bring someone, or something, into her life in ways she could never have anticipated. That's Liars and Leeches, available on all good podcast apps in 2023. But to learn more about Hemlock Creek Productions, please visit hemlockcreekprod.com or follow them on social media on Twitter and Instagram at hemcreekprod. So there we go. And now it is time for Dorian Gray. Shadows at the Door is a podcast designed to scare and delight you. We are at times explicit and produced for an adult audience. To see if this episode is for you, consult our show notes for a list of content warnings. Hello, dearest listeners. Welcome to our discussion episode on this Shadows at the Door Pride Month special. And how apt that title is for the picture of Dorian Gray. Is it not, Mark? It's very proud. It's basically, <laughs> it's, it's basically a peacock. Yes, indeed. And what a dazzling array of talent to be shown on that peacock's tail. Uh in all areas of the podcast, don't you think? I would say so. It's uh... <sighs> for, for, for listeners, you can't you can't see this, but Mark basically just sort of sat back in a kind of I I don't know where you're going to go with this, but I'm I'm quite interested to hear where where it is, uh, which is why I said, don't you think, Mark? Because then it's just straight batted back into his court. That's how we like it. 
I'm beginning to think we should structure this uh, these podcasts a little bit more, David. <laughs> I don't like being ambushed on my own podcast. <laughs> on our own podcast, surely, Mark. Well, how much work do you do? <laughs> 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that old. That old so, uh, if you are tuning in, that means hopefully that you have listened to all three acts of our adaptation of The Picture of Dorian Gray. And can I say, straight out of the gate, props to uh, Mr. Mark Nixon for the adaptation for getting into the mind of Oscar to be able to uh, bridge some of the gaps, I think we can possibly say. Yeah. Uh, and also for producing the whole thing. I know it's been a long time coming, but uh, the finished product, I think everyone will agree, has been absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you very much, David. And, and, and props to you for channeling the most smug. As I said that, David took a sip of red wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I, no, absolutely. I mean, everyone in this is just incredible. Uh, one thing I have been saying to everybody is, um, well, it's kind of meant to be a compliment for others, but it becomes a compliment to me, where I just say, how perfectly cast is this? Um, <laughs> like, uh, some Whoever was casting director did a really, really good job. Mm, mm. Because... Does uh, this mean that I'm a smug, amoral libertine? It's how I see you. It okay. may not necessarily be who, <laughs> who you are. It's uh, good to know. Good to know. All I say is when a friend of the show, Erebus Odora, uh, designed our poster for us, uh, she just got the smugness in David <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> but I mean, uh, sh- should we jump in talking about the performances, mm-hmm. David? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I personally have a lot to say. Absolutely. This was my first time working with Kareem. He's just perfect for this role. Um, Mm. Kareem actually said to me when I approached him for the role, he says, oh, this is not the kind of role that I normally get. Mm. And um, I had actually only heard Kareem's showreel. David listeners then approached me a week later and said, you do know Kareem's a big deal, right? And I was like, is he? Well, that's (laughs) fortuitous. Yes, very much. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know... all you know, all jokes aside, you know, there's a reason for that. Kareem is mm. is absolutely fantastic, and he instantly infused Basil with this like sensitivity that could easily mm. have gone too far or um, gone into like camp. Yeah, well, I, I think with he's yes, sensitivity, fragility, vulnerability. I think mm-hmm. uh, that uh, there's there's this very definite feeling that Basil is is wanting to say so much more, but is holding himself back because of uh, the the times and what is acceptable and what isn't. And Kareem just brings that forward so wonderfully, so perfectly. Yeah, and, you know, there's a line of Basil that breaks my heart almost when Dorian is pressuring him to, to tell him what he sees in the painting, you know, and, mm. and Basil... On the verge of coming out, <laughs> says, mm-hmm. if I told you, you might like me less. Yes. I have said those words, <laughs> you know, like, as a closeted young man. And mm-hmm. it's, oh. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, no, Kareem, just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> his his exhaustion and laughter when he was filming his death scene. And he ended, <laughs> he ended his yes. recording going, thanks for that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, moving on to uh, Jake as Dorian, which was interesting because Jake played Dorian a little bit older than I had actually thought. And I, and I was mm. first hearing Jake and I was like, oh, he's, he's doing, he's a bit deeper than I thought mm. he would play it. And I thought I might mm. need to ask him to redo it. He'll love that. He, actors love t- retakes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Shadows at the doorheads, please refer to bread and salt. <laughs> Just channeling Stan Lee there. Excelsior. Mm. Anyway, um, no, but and then I learned to really kind of understand that, and 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 it meant you know Dorian changes a lot through this story. He he does, he comes in trying to sound grown up, and then mm. he actually becomes like grown up. And the 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 venom that Jake often performed as this was 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 phenomenal. <laughs> That's kind of like one of the main things I, I take away from Jake's performance in this was just Dorian was just so full of venom at times. Yes, and, and there was a really lovely change from him being 
innocent to that rose garden scene, uh, which was very charged. Um, yes, uh, I took the subtext. Yes, and I rubbed it <laughs> in everyone's face. Oh, absolutely! And then did. offered them a baby wipe to get some of that subtext <laughs> off. Yes, but some of it obviously had sunk in by that point. It's meant um, to be good for your skin. Yeah, that's how I hear. <laughs> will that remain in the cut? I don't know. It, it will, we'll have to find out. <laughs> This novel is barely concealed subtext. It was toned down from its original publication Mm. in a magazine. Apparently he was approached by the publisher at the same time Arthur Conan Doyle was, and Arthur Conan Doyle provided the sign of four. Mm. I think Oscar Wilde turned in this, but very late. Mm. Which I kind of, from what I know of Oscar Wilde, sounds very typical. Oh, very typical, yes. Yeah, but no, it's barely concealed subtext, and I just took it that little bit further. I mean, at no point does anyone nosh anyone off or anything, sadly. <laughs> the folly would have been quite difficult, but... Mm. It's, I think I mean, it's, it's nothing that you haven't gone for before. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be a telltale or anything. Yeah, Shadow of the Doorheads, please refer to uh, Telltale if you have the stomach for it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, to me, this... I see that charge in the story when I read it and I wanted to kind of make sure that it came through and I think this story deserves to be as gay as possible Mm -hmm. while still having like this less is more mentality (laughs) that I tend to apply to horror I kind of the rules for horror I believe applied to the rules of uh, erotica as well absolutely yes yeah most definitely imply less is more let Mm -hmm. the the viewer fill the gaps oh god But yes, as you say, Jake did a wonderful job of of that change over, and and there was a a lovely um, dichotomy for him of yes, I will be good, and then the painting saying actually no, no, you're going to have to do this. Come on, invert. invert. <laughs> yes, David's. Um, I wanted to find an offensive word for a homosexual, uh, and I and I googled what's a bad word for a homosexual, and then I was like, no, Google. I meant like in the 1800s, the late 1800s. Yeldy Google. <laughs> Google A. Yes, <laughs> that's just that was just a guy in the street. You went up and asked him questions. Yeah, and yeah. then if you if you asked him to put a cognito mode in, he went into an alley with you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and apparently invert was applied to uh, like homosexuals, um, non-binary people, uh, and uh, basically anyone who was anyone that didn't go with the norms of the Victorian era. Yeah, and I don't even think there was much of a room for cishet people because like say, well, like, I mean mm. there was, but like don't do anything about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, for which people did you well, say? I said cishet. Oh, cishet, right, yeah. okay. Yeah, because it's really interesting that uh, we, we're told that the workhouses were full of pregnant women that had, that had got off with, uh, with the young masters of the houses and that there were all of these orphans and that everything was so tightly bound uh, in terms of the rules and the morals of society, but... I reckon Victorians were absolutely getting their rocks off most of the time. Absolutely. They didn't have podcasts. What else were they going to do? Mm, mm -hmm. They did have podcasts. It was just some bloke in the street that you went up to and you said, tell me a story. And then then a guy stood next to a bell across the street. He went, went, hear ye, hear ye. Hit that bell and smash that like. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I, I was thinking, uh, if you hear... A, a reference to a certain time traveller, then ring that bell. H.G. <laughs> Wells. After all, Charles Dickens with his ghosts in that theatre. <laughs> For pictures of Lady Watton's feet, look through the peephole. <laughs> Lady Watton would never do that. Erica is, was, a, was a wonderful um, Lady Watton. She, um, she just was. leaping back to back on track. Are you implying that even though I'm Erica is a no, I'm not good. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when I first performed with Erica, she was a street woman, a lady of the night, what, what? dressed up as a gentleman. Oh, she was. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing I acted in with her in in Aylesbury. We did a walking tour, and she was she was um, someone that could be bought for a a, a low price. Not that low, but... Well, surely low rented. Enough. Well, yeah, yes, of course, yes. Yes, fair <laughs> enough. 
rented for a time. Shadows at the door um, supports sex work. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eric. Uh, Actively in your case? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'll do in my Patreon. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. No, wait, Patreon. No, I won't. It's, uh... <laughs> I think you just got another 10 subscribers. Wait, wait. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Erica was uh, one of the things that I loved about her performance was the fact that she was able to match my complete disinterest <laughs> and, and, and dismissiveness. And, and it was so beautifully disingenuous between the two of us. It was so much fun. <laughs> I wrote in the bit where they kiss each other, and the instruction is like a disinterested kiss. Yeah. And for Erica, I think I wrote the word moi, which uh, M W A H. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanted to put her in more, but she's not in the story much. And I hmm. had considered putting her in the last act, but then I saw an opportunity. Like, there's a throwaway line that Lord Henry's wife leaves him uh, towards the end of the story. And uh, also, I had the scene where Dorian knocks on his door, and I just thought, I can't be asked to have another butler. Um, I didn't want to have butlers in the story much because you have to cast someone. And then you've got to, like, just, it's more work just having another character come in, introduce somebody. Although, though, though that wasn't too much of a problem for Basil's butler, was it, Mark? Well, no, because I, I did one butler, and then I thought, do I have to do this for every fucking time? <laughs> so I made to me, Mr. Dorian Gray, sir. Mr. Uh, excuse me, David. If you're gonna imitate it, do it right. It's like Mr. Dorian Gray, sir. <laughs> but like, I, to me, it was this little inside joke to myself that Victor was always talked about but never heard, mm. um, and that Dorian was always shouting up the stairs to him. And then there's a throwaway line in the book where Basil's like, "Where's your butler?" It's like, "Oh, he married someone." I thought, "I want to give Victor an end to his." Arc. Mm. What happened to Victor? He married, so he's he's presumably somewhat happy. Aww. Yeah, but I, it's a throwaway line that like, his wife has left him, and I thought I'll have him answer his own door. Why? Because he can't afford as many servants as he used to. And I just thought she's taken some of the money, she's gone, and he's just like clinging on to this idea that he's happy and successful. And 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 in fact, I'm now going to use this opportunity to praise David. So uh, buckle your seatbelt, oh David. Oh no. <sighs> My favourite performance of yours is, is you'd think it would be the bit when you're seducing Dorian in the garden. Henry, that is. <laughs> but it's actually the bit at the end when Dorian is playing the piano and, and Henry, you know, in, in one adaptation of this story, Henry realises that something is going on with Dorian because mm. he's just not ageing. In this, you know, and in the book, he doesn't really care. He doesn't notice it. He's like, what's that line? Tell me what you do, Dorian. I'll do anything except exercise and get up at the, uh, you know, early. <laughs> yes. Which I think we can all relate to that. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I, I kind of wrote it, and, and David, you you know, and I directed you this way and you played it, is that Henry kind of knows that Dorian's done some bad shit. Like he, he kind of knows that Dorian killed Basil, but he's just not interested. He's not even immoral. He's just, he can't be asked with it. Mm. Uh, no, so I, I, I adore your performance in that because you sound desperate and, you, and you, you sound like Henry's clinging on to this idea of who he was and... It's all gone wrong for him. <laughs> well, not all gone wrong, but yeah, and I and I just love that. And and you read Henry as such a smug bastard. And I think one of the first things that you said to me is that you hated Henry, or that you just really didn't like him, <laughs> even though he was an amazing character to play. Because oh, he's yeah. just very much not you. Yeah, he's he's thoroughly unlikable. Yeah, but thoroughly likable at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Henry would be a great person to have in your friend group for about two minutes. Yes. Yeah, he he strikes me in a way as a, a little bit like the Piers Morgan of the nineteenth century, or you know, someone like except witty and intelligent. Well, yes, obviously, but <laughs> if, if Piers Morgan had actually wrote his lines beforehand, it's it's that kind of people want to interact with him, but people don't want to interact with him, and and he yeah. sort of swans through life, popping his head up everywhere. And I think he's so desperate to be a meme. Mm, mm. Like he just wants to be. He wants to be quoted, mm -hmm. and he, he keeps throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Absolutely, and that's one of the wonderful things about Henry is that every line was a gift of writing. Every line was a witticism, uh, and in a way, it goes against some of the the roles I've done before, where if you know that a line is is meant to get a laugh, you play it for a laugh. But all mm -hmm. of Henry is, you are not playing, you, you are just, just 
casting these pearls before swine. You're just sort of sending it out there and you you don't care about the adulation, but you do actually really want the adulation, but you don't care about it. Yeah. You, you don't want to be seen to be caring about it. I feel like if he'd got like a round of applause for saying something witty at a dinner party, he'd be like, no, 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 no. And then he'll go home, look himself in the mirror and go, you did it, Henry. Yes, you did. Exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> do, would Henry be a troll on Twitter? Oh, God, imagine Lord Henry with a Twitter account. Oh. A man who uses a hashtag is desperate to connect with the world, and yet the world <laughs> is so eager to avoid him. <laughs> You know, um, I've got this cracking quote from Oscar Wilde. Uh, he wrote in 1894 in a letter, he said, The picture of Dorian Gray contains much of me in it. Basil Halward is what I think I am. Lord Henry, what the world thinks me. Dorian is what I would like to be. In other ages, perhaps. I have always seen Henry as the Oscar Wilde insert. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yes. They're, they're to, uh, to corrupt young minds. Yeah, and bring them over to the hedonism and the uh, amazing, wonderful charms of indulging every single impulse. Yeah, which um, I mean, what else are you going to do in London except sex work, opium, alcohol? And we're talking the nineteenth century here, not not now. Oh, now, 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 now! I'm pretty sure you can do anything you want. No, with the cost of living crisis as it is, what are you going to do in London but sex work opium? (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, hang on. You can afford an opium habit with the cost of living crisis? Opiate, shall we say. Opiate. Uh, Just, just, yeah. Go to the the doctors. They'll dispense you whatever you want. (laughs) So talking about, you know, the the hedonism and and such, um, of course, we have Sybil, who is... Ah, um, Sybil Vane. She's like the polar opposite of what... Wait, wouldn't you call her the antithesis, Mark? David's saying that because I just mispronounced <laughs> her three times in a row and I moved on to a different <laughs> word. Um, but, you know, she, she's this very young, pure young woman. You know, when I was... I remember the second person that I cast in my head. No, the third was Alana. And I, was like, I was like, okay, Jake is Dorian, David is Henry, and Alana as Sybil. It's, it's a shame Alana is confined to Act 1, Although we'll talk about the the allocation of the axe um, shortly, but no, she she's incredible, and and I was having this great mm. conversation with Alana at the time, which I I hope Alana herself can remember because it, this was when we recorded Act One, which was about I think um, thirteen months ago, it was a long a long time ago. Yes. It was, yeah. Um, but because I I had said that I see Sybil as a representation of codependency. That she represents okay. this desperate, insecure, keen love that we experience the strongest in our first love, or indeed early loves. And I'm someone who's really into like reading about like love and relationships and, and all this kind of stuff. Head and heart work, as it's referred to on my favorite podcasts. But um, and Alana kind of countered to this. She said she sees Sybil as a representation of misogyny. Of how you know mm. women can be seen in all male spaces, you know, and and, mm. and like all of although you could see her that way, she could just be a, oh well, women are insecure, women are needy, you know, women are all these things, and I don't know enough about Wilde to know, you know, what his relationship with women was. Mm. I really should read a bit more and uh, about that. So no, I, I think Sybil's an interesting one, and I remember Alana just in the chat started writing, Justice for Sybil, Justice for Sybil. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So listeners, if you agree with Alana, hashtag Justice for Sybil. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was fun as well, because Alana said that um, when I decided to have Sybil's, because I, I thought if I, if I write Sybil the way that she is in the book, we're only going to get to hear her acting badly. So I thought I'm gonna let her do a monologue from Romeo and Juliet, and I and I went for the classic because Dorian's saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, and she did Romeo, and she did uh, she, well, she did Romeo, but she she was performing as Juliet, <laughs> and oh, she was fucking awesome, Henry. You should have heard her." And then it cuts to her going, "Romeo, oh Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo?" And Alana's doing a great job, <laughs> but I'm making her do mm. it in this really thick. Um, southern accent, mm-hmm. and and she pulls it off. So um, I, I, you know, I think, and then <laughs> I absolutely loved writing the scene where we hear act badly, because the direction oh, yes. was like she is acting badly. She's it's in monotone, 
and then in the background I've got all this going on whilst they're talking over her and then the direction just says oh god she won't stop <laughs> she is not improving <laughs> please make it stop <laughs> I, I did love Henry's oh dear <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, 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 it was just that's everything that he needed to say. Yes, um, and then Basil's like, oh, and and I love that Basil's trying so hard to be supportive in that scene because mm-hmm. you know Basil cried on the way to the theater. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's his heart's breaking, and yet he he loves Dorian so much that he is willing to put up with this and and to and to be mm. there. But that that was a fun scene because again, when I'm adapting a text, I like to look as to what I can do it. Uh, what, what can I add to the text? And, and it's like, Hen- in the book, Henry hates the theatre because it's small, it's tacky, it's just, you know, everyone is ugly who's attending. And um, mm. and he says, oh, what a place to find one's divinity in. And I just <laughs> and I thought, how can I put this in sound? Because there's a lot of talking in Act 1. It's a very talky act. And I was getting mm. very self-conscious. So, so Henry has an uncomfortable seat. He's shifting in his seat. It's like, oh, this seat is ghastly. <laughs> and that was, that was fun to play with. But speaking of adapting, so much of this dialogue includes action in it. It's like, mm. don't shrug your shoulders like that. Oh, you smile? Oh, yeah, you see my point. It's almost as if he wanted a horny by man to adapt this into audio ad- adaptation later in life. 132 years later, That's yes. exactly <laughs> what he wanted, yeah. he. he, he <laughs> I think he would be happy that I, I did it. Of, yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. yes. Of all I think the podcasts... You've done, you, <laughs> <laughs> well, all art is useless, Mark. All art. Yeah, he, he, um, he, he did say that <laughs> quite famously. Yeah, but there's, there's just so much dialogue that includes the action, and it, it's like it may feel like that I did that, but it, there was some parts in adaptation I thought I could just but copy and paste this paragraph in. Mm, perfect. Mm. Yeah. In fact, it, it's something that Shakespeare did a lot. Copy and paste. The, yes, absolutely. I mean, it was all Francis Bacon anyway. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, no, uh, Shakespeare put all of his uh, action into the text so that when you were when the the actors were given the text because they weren't given the full text because that could then be either copied or given to um, other traveling theater troops and to perform. So each actor was given cue lines. You'd have the cue line and then you'd have your speech and then the next cue line and then your next speech. So no one had a full copy of the play, but the writer and the person dealing with all of the, the stage uh, decor, etc. So all of the action had to be put into the text so that the actors knew what they were going to do with the lines when they said them. So if they said, look, oh. look over here, here is, a, here, here is a Montague over here who's dead, um, then that gave the actor the knowledge and the impetus to say, look over here. Uh, there it is in the text. It is guiding the audience over to the dead body over there. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's Shakespearean. It, it has precedent. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But it doesn't, it doesn't work so much in a book, in a way, because it, it sounds like it was meant to be performed rather than read. And yet it wasn't. And yet it wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess he was he was used to writing plays. This is his mm, only novel yes. that he wrote, and um, I have always wanted to see the importance of being earnest, and I haven't, mm. because I, I want to see it on the stage. And during lockdown, there was one theatre that had released a recording that I think mm. it was just done f- like to keep in their archive. They had never intended to release it, and they released mm. it for free to say, hey, you know, we're all on lockdown, enjoy this. And uh, it was not, it was like from the nosebleeds, and... It just wasn't that. It was. I thought this isn't how I want to experience it, but I did mm. borrow. I believe I borrowed a line from the importance of being earnest, where he says, uh, "Alcohol, if no, if drunken in sufficient quantities, can produce all of the uh, effects of drunkenness." Mm. <laughs> Which um, I try to sneak in a few little wildisms either way, because I very much doubt I'm going to be doing any other Oscar Wilde adaptations. <laughs> I mean, you well, could argue this isn't even the spookiest thing in the world, but it's gay and spooky, and that's pretty much our brand, David. I, I, th- I think that's fine. I, I, it deals with the paranormal, so I, yeah. I'm, I'm game. Hey. 
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. In terms of other performances, we, we do need to, given that we've talked about uh, Sybil Vane and Alana's brilliant performance there, we should uh, give a mention to her brother as well. Yes, Andy Cresswell. I don't know, I remembered thinking to his no-nonsense character in Zwergen Pond. Mm, yes. Uh, which appeared on No Sleep, and I always enjoyed that. And when I contacted him, I was like, oh, I've, really, I've been meaning to really go on about that. And he did a great job. But no, he, he, he was a fantastic... Um, very, uh, I would say, very broad, uh, James mm-hmm. Vane, and yep. uh, <laughs> hearing him just sound a bit more groggy and a bit more worse for wear, as it's been like 15, 20 years since his sister died in the in the final act. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's hard not to talk about the story, but I, I wouldn't deprive you of um, the drunk special, which we have recorded, but I haven't edited at the time of recording ah. this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we record the drunk ones, I get a little bit um, nervous to hear it. It takes me a few <laughs> weeks to steal myself. <laughs> However, the the next drunk one that I have to record and edit will be far more pleasurable because David has agreed to record another I one. I have agreed. And we yes. will have a no snacks rule. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of uh, just coming back, we've already mentioned one of the cameos that we had, uh, which was you as the uh, as um, the butler. However, I understand that there were another couple of cameos. Were there not, Mark? There was. I wouldn't even consider myself a cameo because I was named on the cast because I'm ah. Alan Campbell in Act 3, a scene I did not enjoy putting together. I'm still not used to hearing <laughs> myself act earnestly. You know, I can, I'm absolutely fine with parts, but when it comes to someone being completely normal. By the way, UK listeners, Pet Cemetery is on Netflix right now. Go for it. <laughs> Although someone did contact me and said they watched it, but it's not the same without hearing that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, a truck. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Father, I'm going to get squished. <laughs> so we'll start off with Act One, and uh, it was Alistair Stewart, the wonderful guy behind so much audio stuff. He's he's very much a a royalty within the uh, the world of audio drama. Uh, so. Alistair was uh, was our Romeo, wasn't he? He was Romeo. That's how I credited mm. him in the cast. <laughs> Rather than the actor playing Romeo, just Romeo. Yeah. It was lovely. Actually. I, just, I, I saw an opportunity for cameos and I put it out on Twitter and, and he was quite keen and, and, he, and he gave me it straight away. And, uh, and, and I don't think he realised if you're waiting such a long... We need to talk about why this took such a long time as well. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was lovely to have him in and such an honour. Uh, I didn't think that mm. would be the first time I'd be working with him in that capacity, but... That was mm. great. And um, in Act 3, we have Dean J. Smith uh, playing the uh, the handsome driver. That is handsome. Although, mm-hmm. you know, Dean, no, not to, you know, throw... Not to... Uh, yeah, well, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Dean, yep. it's on the record. Handsome. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, so he, he does a tremendous job. And uh, it was actually Erica who suggested Dean because they worked together on St. Kilda. St. Kilda, yes. A podcast I have been really looking forward to listening to and haven't started yet because I've been really busy. Well, Erica at Horicon was very keen to make sure that everyone knew that it was definitely not a cult. Right. Definitely not a cult. That's it's a wholesome. Definitely not a cult. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Naomi, if you're listening, cast me. Um, <laughs> about that, that wasn't even a request. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's a demand now. It's like, we're, we're a season down. Come on. Yeah. And uh, speaking of sex work, I saw, I, I really yes. wanted to have uh, a male sex worker on the docks because I thought, how do we, how do I establish an audio that the docks are a bit seedy? So I've got characters going, the docks, oh, don't go there. And then, mm. um, obviously, I put in the sound effect of a dock, but I can't put, like, mm. you know, and I nearly put some rats in, but rat sound effects always sound a bit cartoony. Um, mm. 
And All the nice girls love a sailor, though, Mark. Mm. Um, and we know what what happens in the navy. So they serve on vessels. Yes. Yes. So I, I, I saw an opportunity to put a male sex worker in, and, and naturally I thought I want to have Nico in a cameo. So Nico, that was Nico. Surely not. That was Nico. He would never be a male sex worker. I think he would. You know, <laughs> he's got he's he's got a cute face. I think he'd get away yeah. with it. I think he could. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, Nico, if you're listening, <laughs> cast him, <laughs> cast him <laughs> in your next scene. <laughs> Although to be fair, just just before we go go on to Nico, um, I have been in a couple of his uh, episodes of his podcast Connections, which is uh, a really beautiful segue. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's it's a it's an amazing set of uh, podcast episodes, uh, a set of stories where he wrote the music first, and then got writers such as yourself, Mark, mm. to write to the music. Yeah, which at first I was like, do I have to like rhyme on beat? But no, <laughs> it was it was a lovely uh, a lovely project. I hope he does more because yeah, he he mm. had these five tracks. He 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 approached five writers. Well, I assume five. I assume they all said yes, and mm-hmm. and um, and they all created a story, kind of inspired by the words. And some of these stories are a bit more fantasy. Some of them are very uh, terrestrial. Uh, certainly, mine is is a very normal um, story mm-hmm. with nothing uh, fantastical going on. But it was very wholesome, though, Mark. It was wonderfully wholesome. Thank you. You know, I can do not horror. So, you know, people, if you're listening, hire me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just five very different stories, and mm. and it was just and it's a wonderful exercise in just exploring the kind of stories that you can tell with a very mm. wide remit. And mm. you know, there'll be some writers that you will probably already be familiar with, and writers that you won't, uh, and certainly voice actors. Um, in fact. One of the voice actors in Connections, I have approached to be in season three of Shadows. So, oh, yeah, it's nice that I'm being allowed back onto my own podcast. <laughs> David, I'm writing a very good script for you right now, so be kind. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I tell you what. What we'll do is we will now play you uh, the trailer for Nico's Ooh. podcast, Connections. Ooh. Uh, you will hear some of the beautiful words and the beautiful music, some of the beautiful acting, and uh, hopefully you'll feel compelled to to check them out. Once Hit you that subscribe button now. Connections, the podcast, is a new audio drama that brings short stories to life with the music that inspired them. It is safe to pay it no heed, as I am called to by the voices at the water's edge. Slowly, unsteadily at first, I push myself to my feet, stumble forwards, and begin to run. (laughs) Whether standing braced on a blustery seaside cliff, taking a new step forward into the unknown, or channel surfing alone through radio static, each story in Connections contains a unique insight into the world, its challenges, and the music that connects us all. Connections, the podcast, is the debut production from We Talk Dreams. And you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit wetalkadreams.com. So there you go. Do check that out wherever you get your podcasts. That's Connections from We Talk of Dreams. Yes. Also, I would be remiss um, because Erica was uh, affronted that on Twitter I did not refer to her as being a secret cameo because she is the uh, opium den landlady. Ah, of course, yes. And, and and it was so fun because before I go into why this took so long, I initially was writing a scene where Henry and Dorian entered a brothel and it was being run by a madam and uh, Alana was going to play one of the sex workers and Erica was going to like, and go, oh, hello, gentlemen, welcome to you know, fucking Moulin Rouge or whatever I was calling it. Um, and... And that was one idea. And then at one point, Erica was just going to be a sex worker. And, you know, you think Cockney, like, Victorian sex workers. And I was writing dialogue for Erica that was so broad, I was ashamed of it. And I, David, this, I've never told you this before, but I had written the line for Erica and told her this line. And she was happy to record it as, fancy a good time, mister. I can suck the Thames dry, I can. <laughs> And 
I came back to that a few days later and I thought, I've gone too far. Yeah, yeah. So She's in Aylesbury. They, they, there are much more local rivers there. <laughs> so anyway, um, she went from um, like sex worker on the street to brothel, madam. And then, uh, and then Erica kind of threw shade at me with her... Uh, audio because she went, All right, Mark, I'm here to record the Erica, Erica Sanderson, Sanderson for Shadows, Shadows at the, at the door. door. Picture of Dorian Gray, scene six, the uh, brothel keeper. No, I mean the howled hag. No, I mean the opium landlady. We run a respectable business here, or have you know? <laughs> and it was delightful. And uh, so Erica does consider that one of the secret cameos. I'm always inclined to give Erica what she wants because anyone who's known or met Erica in any capacity is charmed. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Although I just tend to find myself dead in various different ways, turned into tea. Well, that's how people feel after they meet you, David. Oh, that's true, yeah. (laughs) That explains such a lot. (laughs) Oh, well. It explains why I started this enterprise with you. So that you could murder me in different ways. Well, no, I was actually, I was, you know, just because I, because you're a lovely person, David. I enjoy your company and you're a pleasure to work with. That's far too wholesome, Mark. This is a <laughs> horror podcast. I told I wrote an episode <laughs> of Connections. Now, that's the thing. I'm a Mr. Spooky writer, but I'm also just, I, I, I refer to myself as a hopeful romantic because I think a hopeless Aww. romantic implies that you're naive. Yeah. I'm not a massive yeah. fan of the Chibnall era, David, but I do love the line, travel hopefully, the universe will surprise you always. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I very much agree. So just coming back to our favourite male sex worker, uh, Nico Vitezzi, mm. um, we should uh, obviously give a mention to the music. Absolutely. The mu- I really hope Nico releases this as another soundtrack because the, the mm. music of this is terrific. We were mm. both very excited uh, to create a... We called it a period drama version of the Shadows of the Doll theme. And at first we were like saying nothing um, synthetic for this. It has to be, you know, all violins, all pianos. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I gave him some reference tracks. And then I remember watching the film Promising Young Woman, uh, a film that splits people down the middle, uh, starring Kerry Mulligan, uh, David, who you'll know from Blink. Oh, uh, the, the lady that got sent back in time. Sally Sparrow. Oh, Sally Sparrow. I thought that was Sheridan Smith. No, Sheridan no. Smith. Oh, no? What? Oh, Sally Sparrow. Yes. Smooth. That's just for you for you to edit in. I know. Smooth. Anyway, um, yeah, so there's a brilliant scene where she, like, in the penultimate scene to the film, uh, well, it's a penultimate, like, the film's coming to a climax, and she's marching towards, like, her objective, and it plays the most fucking haunting cover of Toxic by Britney Spears. Um, with violins <laughs> and I paused the film found this track on on YouTube sent it to Nico and said is it too late to include this in the notes and he went nope it is now included in the inspiration and then you know w- one thing that Nico and I agreed on and it was a really nice process because like I, I don't remember either one of us suggesting it but we just knew that Dorian was going to have a theme Basil was going to have a theme Basil's is the one that really sticks out to me in particular but I, we knew that as the story progressed that the music would get corrupted and then synthetic elements would start coming in. I asked that the music kind of take the journey of the painting itself. It mm. starts off beautiful, polished, whole, wholesome, pure, and then by the end it's just a mess. Mm. And, and Nico certainly does that. And I, I, I hope to God he releases it as a, as a soundtrack. Because uh, that, that Shadows at the Door period drama theme will probably never get to reuse um, <laughs> yes. And because we probably will not do another mini series for some time, although depending on on what I choose for my drunk ghost story, wink, wink. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I know what he's chosen. Then. Yeah. Well, you chose it for me. I suggested it for you because <laughs> I know what you've. I know vaguely what kind of stuff you've read and what you're aware of. Hmm. Okay. I mean, Macbeth was a good choice. It was. It was. It really was. I, yeah. I have much more of a an in, a, a knowledge of or an ability to quote Shakespeare uh, than most other things, apart mm-hmm. from the Hitchhiker's Guide. But uh, we're never going to be able to do that because that's not spooky enough. The more I learn about audio drama and mix with people who do audio drama, because that's something I've never done until recently, is meet, is speak to other creators. Uh, Kareem's been mm. lovely and kind of pointing me in the right direction. It's so mm-hmm. many people who were inspired by um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was just, it was, 
it was a seminal work and it happened at around the the right time because it was the the early 70s uh, sorry the late 70s early 80s when it came out uh, just a bit like Blake 7 as well but and that was that was wonderful which was enough time for me to for my dad to have got the tapes that I could then listen to uh, and of course a lot of it went over my head but that didn't matter it was just so nicely done. David, I've got this image of, because you said the 70s, of you in like a flat cap, basically dressed like you're going to go sweep some chimneys. And, you know, we've got like a sepia filter on the camera and your dad comes in, goes, hey up, David, lad. Got you these tapes called Hitchhikers to Guide to Galaxy. And listen to these, my son. Be inspired. Let them inform your life decisions. Oh, be a better man. Nothing could be further from the truth. Bless you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing could be further from the truth. But thank you. Do you want yes. me to leave in your nothing could be further from the truth? Absolutely, that's fine. Yes. Yeah, my parents aren't listening. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, talking about things that happened a long time ago, it feels like that the announcement that uh, that you were going to do the mini series of Dorian Gray happened mid eighties, early nineties. <laughs> uh, if if I can just be the voice of the listenership here, uh, just to ask you, no, it was ninety seven, David, because <sighs> the announcement was overshadowed the next day by the uh, the, the tragic death of Lady Di. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. 1997. Amazing year. Things can only get better. Um, so, uh, what took it so long? <laughs> well, first of all, I'd always said I would do a mini series once we were doing this a bit more, like, I had more time for it. But I, I just got excited by the idea, and I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I gave myself this rule of no narration. Mm. because when you're doing an adaptation narration is a very easy crutch yes. and for some stories like Sleepy Hollow it's basically unavoidable it's unavoidable mm. but for Dorian I thought it would be possible to do it I listened to the big finish Dorian Gray adaptation which is very heavy, heavily narrated mm. I mean it's good it's alright mm-hmm. compared to Fennels and the and yeah and I decided no, no narration and I forgot that once Sybil dies, the book is all narration. <laughs> and there's just there's a few chapters of, of saying, oh, yes, and then Dorian read a sexy book mm-hmm. that did a lot of his character development for him, <laughs> and, and things happened. I was like, oh, God. So then I had to start writing more. Like, in Act 1, there is some of my own words in there. Like, there has to be naturally, but not that much. In Act 2 and Act 3, there's a lot more of mm. it. And I got, I'll be honest, David, I got a bit intimidated because Oscar Wilde is known as perhaps one of the wittiest people to have lived. People mm-hmm. usually cite him on mm-hmm. Churchill. I think the Churchill one is bullshit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought I have to channel Oscar Wilde. And I have snuck in, like, little things that people say that sound like a thing that Wilde would say and in the hopes that people will accept it as something That's that sounds canon. like Wilde yes. or... As, yeah, or they will think it was wild, but it, but it's me. And um, here's a list of them now. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I just started making the joke to the people around me saying, I'm daring to write as Oscar Wilde. And, and then I was like, how dare you write as Oscar Wilde? How dare you, Mark Nixon, try and write as Oscar Wilde? And, and this scene where they visited a brothel, I, I wanted it to be that because I wanted to see Dorian. I wanted us to see some of Dorian's steps into it. Mm. And... Putting the first cliffhanger as Henry saying Sybil is dead actually cuts off the rest of the scene where they talk about it for a long time. Mm. And Henry goes, oh, it's... And Dorian goes, oh, it's it's terrible. And then Henry says, is it though? And he goes, eh, not really. <laughs> and yeah, that, that fucking horrible line. I wish a woman had killed herself over me. Or something <laughs> yes. like that. It's, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I wanted to have this scene, and it was becoming... Uh, I, I basically got writer's block over it. And then I was starting to develop writer's block, and I was getting really intimidated by it. And then, like, people in my life were trying to be helpful and saying, oh, I love Dorian Gray. Here's what I think about it. Here's what you should focus on. And I was like, no, no, please, please stop. And they're like, oh, here's an adaptation that I really loved. Oh, here's... An, here's and then someone else would do it. I'm like, no, no, please. <laughs> and it just... It became... To... to 
to clumsily refer to another classic, it became my white whale. Mm. And then I couldn't write anything for a few months. And then uh, I had a relationship end uh, at, a, at a very similar time. So there was just some knock-on effect from that. And it just became this thing. Uh, when I was eventually able to return to it, it was because I'd started writing some of season three. Mm. And then one day everything just clicked and I, I was able to write the rest of this very quickly. Mm-hmm. Not too quickly, but quickly. And there, there was no feeling of it being rushed. <laughs> and I mean that in the nice way. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Listeners, that sound you heard was uh, a knife being very, very slowly inserted into me. I was merely channeling Lord Henry there. <laughs> yeah. But a few things also slowed us down. Like, obviously, so you'll be happy to know that we are, like, season three is in production. It is mm-hmm. uh, mostly written. Some episodes have been recorded. Some of them have even started being produced. Um, oh, shit. Another thing that happened, David. Remember I said yes. to you before we started recording that there was a big thing I wanted to talk about? Yeah. My laptop. Oh, of course. Yes. So there I was, listeners, watching The Apprentice of all things. Oh. Over Zoom, um, yeah. and um, and my laptop fell and broke, and and Lord Sugar said you're fired, and it just went. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> now, to be fair, the laptop had been struggling for a while because mm. of what I was asking it to do with regards to audition, mm. and all like you know, like when everything you work in is a wav. You know, and mm-hmm. even putting stuff on the cloud, it was struggling. Um, and Act One took a while to make. So Act One had been pretty much finished, and and this thing died. And it wasn't just the screen that died. It was like there was like some kind of issue with like a lot of the stuff that was on it. Uh, I took it to Apple. It wasn't fixable. I was freaking out, and I was mm-hmm. talking to someone, and they said maybe you can accept help. And I was like, no. And they're like, well, can I help you? I was like, no. They said, but what if you ask everyone to help, and then I help as part of that? I was like, okay. And and I put out a message, and you know. I'll be honest, David, there are days where I get a bit stressed um, with shadows because I think... Really? Because I think, well, you know, we uh, so much work goes into it. Why isn't mm, it, like, mm-hmm. the biggest thing since the Sliced Bread podcast? But, <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes I, I think... Like, and then I think, you know, the listeners that we have are just, like, the nicest people because... They, they offer us so much support in like I'm often tagged in people recommending us to people uh, be that on Facebook or Twitter please keep doing that because uh, yes please uh, please do please do yeah a personal recommendation goes so much further than mm-hmm. seeing an advert even sometimes um, you know and people are just so supportive and then you know for those that can some people are also able to help us financially and you know here's a good moment to say thank you so much for mm-hmm. our Kofi supporters and my mm-hmm. Patreon supporters because all of this is funding the show at the minute and then David within the space of I think like a few days people raised the money like, I said raised the money people just like donated money to me to replace the laptop mm-hmm. and I was able to replace it with one that can actually handle with what it needs to do and I mm-hmm. You know, because I already had some and then that. So it was just, it was an act of kindness that months later still, I'm in a little bit disbelief that it happened. You know, it's just, it's so nice. Praise bounteous providence, if you will, that grants even an ogre a tiny glowworm tenderness encased in icy caverns of a cruel heart. Where did you get the title for the next Trouton story? <laughs> but no, seriously, if people hadn't done that, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And like, Absolutely, we, yes. I mean, with Dorian Gray, it's just, it saved it. And one of the downsides of this incident is that Act 1, I lost a lot of the original files. I could have got like the files from the actors again, but like the, the, the mixing it together, the sound effects, it would have been a huge mm-hmm. undertaking to start from scratch, um, which, frankly, I wasn't prepared to do. Um, I wasn't able to do it. It would have ta- it would have taken weeks um, and delayed things further, and probably taken a lot of the joy out of this process, which makes it harder to do. Mm. So mm. Act One didn't go through. It had been finished. It had been sent to Nico, and it was because I had sent it to Nico that I had those finished files. Ah. So mm. what I normally do with a production before I finalize it is that I'll listen to it with headphones on, and I will listen to it in the car, and then I can spot little errors or little like mixing issues. Act one was never able to go through that. So if you notice anything that wasn't in act two or three, that's your explanation. And I'm sure you've already been very kind about it in not saying anything to me. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit late to say that now, yeah. Mark. But no, but seriously, just like thanks without end. It, it's it, quite mm, literally, yes. I cannot thank people enough for that. 
yeah, it's just it's extremely humbling. And and, and as we, as we continue to say, it is the listeners that make the the podcast really not just from a financial sense but uh from the reviews from the recommendations but the fact that you're out there listening to it Mm -hmm. you're interacting with us you're telling us what you like what you don't like you're you're sharing memes about mark and earl gray you know there's there's all sorts of things that make it so much more rewarding for us as creators and give us such a boost that we we really need to say thank you to everyone who is listening And everyone who who has done anything remotely uh, towards sending us even positive vibes, yeah, uh, it really does. It 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 makes all the difference because we could be just putting this out there to um, and and sending it into the ether, and and that would mm-hmm. be that. And and there would be a certain amount of um, you know, happiness derived from just the the mere creation of stuff. But it is the fact that. The audience is out there, and your interaction, it just makes it so much more worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other day, a listener said that he was at, I think he was at a, his children's like, a birthday party, and he was wearing a Shadows mm-hmm. Underdog t-shirt, and apparently a few people had said, oh, what's your podcast? And he was like, ha, 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 they thought it was my podcast. Like, mate, as long as they subscribe, I don't care whose podcast they think it is. <laughs> just get them to subscribe. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I did uh, at Horicon uh, take someone's phone and actually subscribe them to Shadows at the Because that's what you did to me at a podcon for no sleep. Absolutely, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I couldn't find it because there was no space between no and sleep. I think I was yeah. getting some kind mm. of like gentle stories to help you get to sleep podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, you, you've you've now got several stories on the podcast. A lot's so. changed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You see, um, giving me your phone has made a world of difference. Listeners, give David your phone. Yeah. Won't look yeah. at your nudes. Give it to me. Speaking of nudes and scandalous things though, we should, you know, we should talk about the impact of this book. Absolutely. Yes, I, I was going to get onto that, uh, and that was a really a really useful segue, Mark. Yes, the the queer content given that this is Pride Month. Uh Dorian Gray, the picture of Dorian Gray itself, uh was uh, not just a a seminal work i've used that word twice now but uh, it was actually used in a court of law it was so you know oscar wilde one of history's you know like queerest men um what was that mm. was that unfortunately he had he he did time in prison because uh of his uh because of just of who he was and and he was outspoken about mm. it and 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 then when they were kind of Using they needed evidence against him in court. Um, they they presented the the picture of Dorian Gray as a what was it, a, a David? A, if, well, if I can please. quote from um, famoustrials.com. <laughs> After lunch, Edward Carson, a rival of Wilde since their days together at Trinity College Dublin, began his skillful cross examination. This generally broke into two main parts: a literary part and a fact-oriented part, focusing on Wilde's past relationships. In the literary part of the examination, Carson asked Wilde about letters to Douglas, whom he'd been seeing, and two of his own published works, The Portrait of Dorian Gray and Phrases and Philosophies for Use of the Young. Uh, Note the double entendre there on use. (laughs) Wilde defended the works against Carson's suggestions that they were immoral or touched on homosexual themes. There is no such thing as an immoral work, Wilde asserted in Dorian Gray. Rather, Books are well written or badly written. That expresses your view, asked Carson. A perverted novel might be a good book. When Wilde replied... I'm sorry, was Churchill prosecuting him? I don't, yeah, well, yes. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by perverted, by a perverted novel, Carson said. I will suggest Dorian Gray is open to the interpretation of being such a novel. Wilde answered indignantly... That could only be to brutes and illiterates. The views of Philistines <laughs> on arts are incalculably stupid. I love that as well. This book was really immoral and really gay. Oh yeah, what makes you say that? Because I got really turned on reading it. <laughs> I can't bloody wait to show you season three and all the stories we have there and the surprising directions that Troughton will be going in 
uh, that mm. even David doesn't know about. He's raising his eyebrow at me yeah. because he's probably feeling a bit miffed. I haven't told him, but um. <laughs> well, j- just just by way of uh, giving us a little hint as to what season three. Because obviously I'm not going to ask you about this next week because you're going to be absolutely pissed out of your head. Well, um, I need it. So what c- what can what can our listeners expect from season three? Uh, well, can you tantalise us with some? You're going to see the return of some writers that people have been actively asking to come back, such as Christopher mm-hmm. Long, uh, mm-hmm. Hannah Rickman Petty, who uh, used to go by Hannah Butler. Ah, excellent, yeah. Yes, uh, we're going to have uh, a very good friend of mine who's a terrific writer, Caitlin Marceau, joining us for an episode and a half. I'm called Writing One with Caitlin. Ah. That episode features a very special guest. Ooh. And I'm keeping that shtum for now. Ah. You know, uh, and we're going to see how it goes, because at the moment I've got a 10-season episode. I've got a 10-episode season. season, yep. Yeah, I've got a 10-episode season planned. But if we can get sponsorship, I have another story I'm very, very desperate to tell uh, that I reckon I could afford if we do that. Which, David, we need to acknowledge that we have a, a sponsor for... You know, we do you know, indeed. We're being sponsored by the lovely Hemlock Creek Productions, yep. who um, actually, another reason to listen to Connections, is they did the sound design for it. Uh-huh. You know, David and I have always said, and we have actually declined advertising in the past for the wrong kind of product, but we... We want to have stuff. We want to advertise stuff to you that we believe in. So mm-hmm. uh, we know with, with Hemlock Creek Productions is please, you know, engage with them on social media, follow them. Um, they have a, a podcast coming out soon. Well, not soon, but like in in the near future, the mm-hmm. not too distant future. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll be talking about that when it comes out again uh, because it's it's just nice. And if there's something I, I really do notice about this community is that we all, we're all supporting each other. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. and we thank Hemlock Creek Productions very much for sponsoring us. Yeah. And um, supporting them is another way to support us. And, you know, and, and I, like we said before, supporting us comes in many forms. But if if you have the means and, and if, you know, please consider donating to our Kofi. That is a, uh, a, a pot which directly funds future seasons. And I am... I've been doing this for years now, and I'm always surprised how expensive it is to make these things. <laughs> Ten <laughs> pounds for someone splashing water and then bubble afterwards, and that didn't include all the footsteps and everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're taking steps to, to run Shadows a little bit more, like, for lack of a better word, properly. You know, mm-hmm. where we, we've got, like, rates of pay for depending on how much people are in. So all this, so it does mean that Shadows, as we try and progress, becomes more expensive. So this Kofi is a great way to mm-hmm. do it. Uh, my Patreon is a great way to get some extra behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't, I, we will never hide content behind a paywall. Mm-hmm. So the kind of stuff you get on Patreon is is writing advice, guidance, behind the scenes and shadows at the door. Uh, and you can actually vote on, like, character names and stuff like that in the future. I've, I've really, like, found a good line to make it not just an act of charity, mm. but to also not have people who don't have the means to join it to uh, to not feel left out as well. Mm-hmm. We, we are very keen that, that all Shadows at the Door content is available for free. Uh, yeah. And and so Patreon stuff and uh, will be, you know, it's it's Mark. He, he, will, he will do whatever you ask him to, depending on the rates of pay that you you give to him uh and for one of the highest rates he will get me to write a story and he will be the principal voice actor so uh <laughs> if you donate enough then we will switch roles but that would also be free that wouldn't just be it would be free oh yeah yeah but but you'd be actively funding uh me actually doing stuff and Mark. david often asks what kind of stuff is on the patreon i'm like why don't you subscribe to it and find out bitch <laughs> <laughs> but um the the end is near but the moment's been prepared for because this is not the end is it not no we've got as we've mentioned a few times we've got drunk ghost stories next week i think the idea of talking about a story just after we produced it is certainly a decision it is We'll, we'll see how well it goes down. And uh, <laughs> if I have any foresight into next week's uh, next week's recording, I think it's going to be a good one. I think people are going to enjoy uh, hearing the difference between the book and the audio drama. Yes, and we recorded it in person this time. so uh, We will have recorded it in person. We will have recorded it in person. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. It's a messy business, is time travel. Time travel is murder on the tenses. Yes. So, uh, you know, I remember we, tomorrow we, like it was yesterday. 
Yeah, you can cloister bell that one as well. Yeah. Uh, but as we say, um, season three is coming up, and uh, as as is Drunk Ghost Stories seventeen or whatever. Who cares mm-hmm. at this point? It's just another one. <laughs> just. <laughs> but I think we should uh, just go. Just say again, thank you very much to our wonderful cast. Uh, for Mark for producing, adapting, uh, Nico for the music, uh, and of course all of you for listening and donating, whether it is your time, your attention, your likes, your subscribes, or your actual physical hard cash to us. Thank you for everything, and we hope that this Pride Month has found you happy, healthy, and well, and we will look forward to seeing you very soon. (laughs) Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.